Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their advertising campaigns. Today, we have guest Alex Yakari of Venture Solar, who has grown his company to become the largest and most prolific solar installer in the Northeast region. Alex, we have a limited amount of time today, but I want to hear from you. How did you go from knocking on doors to basically running the solar industry in the Northeast area? Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. Um, I got into solar in 2012 and 2013 and really kind of didn't know what I was getting myself into, but quickly fell in love with the industry and fell in love with the product. Um, You know, the basics of solar is that it helps people save money and really the innovation in solar um, is not so much the technology because the technology is old. It's really the economics of solar is what's changed um, and some of the financing options that have become available. So once I got my foot in the door and, and sort of understood that um, this is a product where you could go to someone and say, hey, don't give me any money up front and I can get you a solar system on your home that's going to get you a lower payment than your utility bill, I realized that there was uh, an opportunity. So. Um, I sort of earned my stripes uh, working my way up the ranks at the uh, first company I worked at and uh, did everything from, you know, knocking on doors to, uh, you know, running building permits and um, selling systems and learning how, you know, you install one of these things and really kind of just understood the industry from the ground up. And from there, we started Venture Solar in 2015. Um, And obviously, you know, every startup, you've got very... uh, (laughs) very lean and, and, and mean from, from the, uh, the get-go. But, um, you know, we had a simple model, which was uh, just basically go out, find customers and do a great job for them, pro- provide a great experience. And door-to-door was really how we got our start, um, just direct marketing and making people aware. Um, and again, most people weren't aware. You knock on their door and you say, hey, my name's Alex. I'm not selling anything today, but um, I noticed your roof gets a lot of sun and you would qualify for a program where you can go solar with nothing out of pocket and save money right away. Um, you know, piques people's interest because uh, just the, the awareness wasn't there. And, you know, the industry has changed since I first got into it. And there is awareness and we've had to to adapt. And, um, you know, marketing and, and um, customer outreach has really been central to our growth. I mean, obviously, it's a construction business, but I think where we've been um, successful and, and where we've sort of found our niche is um, to be, you know, um, I guess, well-versed in both the customer acquisition side of the business and the construction side. And that's what makes us different than a lot of our, our competitors who may be strong in one or the other. Um, but really, from a, from a marketing perspective, um, things really took off in 2017 when we started to understand the digital aspect of customer acquisition and lead generation. Um, and that's what allowed us to really scale because you know a door-to-door operation is great if you want to be a local company and um, you know go out and... and you do an install and you go talk to everybody nearby. I mean, it's great. And we still do that. And it's a, it's, it's a, uh, you know, about as old, about as old of a method of finding customers as is out there. And it definitely is effective and definitely works, but hard to scale. So for us, you know, what really helped things take off and, and see a lot of growth was um, when we started understanding the digital aspect of, of customer acquisition and lead generation. I appreciate you unpacking that for us. I think I picked up on two key words there. You mentioned customer experience 
and basically using a uh, uh, marketing campaigns and sales campaigns, whether that's door to door or digital or otherwise to raise awareness. And I think I wanted to hear you break down what it means to you when you talk about customer experience, because I have a feeling that your organization delivers a significantly different experience to the customer than your competition. So walk us through that. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about customer experience, I think about brand, I think about how someone perceives you and, you know, in our business, which is a very high touch business and, you know, especially today's day and age with COVID, it's been interesting to try and evolve a little bit because it's very much a face-to-face -face business from the, um, you know, the sale to traditionally being an in-home sale and the installation obviously occurring at someone's home. But, you know, when we think about the customer experience, we think about end to end. So, you know, what's that first interaction like when we knock on your door, or when we call you or when we email you to, you know, who's coming over to your house and how do we treat you in home across the kitchen table? Um, you know, once you sign a contract with us, what what's that experience like um, with actually getting your project approved? Because this is a construction project. It requires a building permit. It requires an electrical permit. It requires approval from your utility company. Depending on where you live, there may be some sort of local rebate or incentive that you have to get approved for. So we're dealing with a lot of different bodies and, um, you know, the project management aspect, right. That's a big part of the customer experience. And then ultimately kind of the, the, um, epitome of it all is the installation that we do at your house. So I guess to start with the, um, lead generation aspect, I mean, you, you said it, um, you know, the experience we try and differentiate, right. This is a competitive space. We've got, lots of local competitors. We have some national competitors. Um, so really everything across the spectrum, we do fit into a bit of a, um, a weird part of that spectrum where, you know, we're not a small local company. We have over 200 employees and we're operating in six States. Um, but we do have a local presence in all those States, but at the same time, we're not, you know, a national company. So we're, we're, we're really a, a, a regional or super regional company. Um, so we think we provide, um, sort of that that unique um experience we get the benefits of working with a larger company but also the 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 local touch right that you would expect from from a, a small local business so we do try and differentiate right because when we go in a home we know that there's probably gonna be two or three other companies who are, who are vying for that customer and so you know we we try and create a differentiated experience so um, we spend a lot of time training our salespeople to really educate and give a more consultative approach because i believe what we sell which is ultimately cheaper electricity through solar panels is an emotional sale more than a financial one. Although at the end of the day, we're showing someone a proposal and we're showing them a payback or, or how it saves the money. They've never bought the product before. And so we try and think about that. And we try and remind ourselves every single day that we have to go in and educate our customers. We have to make them feel comfortable. We have to make them trust us because although we've installed, you know, over 5,000 of these systems and to us, it doesn't really seem like a big deal. Every customer we're selling to, or 99.9% .9 of the time, they've actually never bought our product. So we try and approach as more of an educational process than a sales process. Um, and that doesn't mean we're not aggressive. That doesn't mean you know we're not out there trying to convince people to take the time to listen to us. But we really find our challenge more than anything on the front end of the process is getting people to listen and setting the proper stage so that our salespeople can be successful. Because again, it's it's an emotional sale. So um, we try and be, you know, relatively low pressure in the way that we um, consult with the customer and make sure they understand everything. 
but we're very aggressive to try and get out in front of them. Um, and we know for us, our best chance at you know making a sale or, or having someone decide to you know go solar is when we can get in front of all the decision makers. It isn't unique to, to anything in sales, but um, that's really kind of like how we think about being different on the front end is really being consultative, um, really making people feel comfortable and, and our sort of internal thought processes, you know, reminding yourself that, that people haven't bought this product before. Um, you know, they're, it, they're scared. They're scared to make a change. Um, it's different than what they've been doing. So that's really on the front end. And then, you know, operationally, um, again, you know, this is a business that you've got um, new innovative companies who are, you know, publicly traded and, and focused on growth. And you've also got companies who are traditionally an HVAC or electrical company who's converted to solar um, as it's, you know, obviously a, a hot product these days. So um, we really focus on efficiency through technology, project management software, our CRM, um, things like that, that are going to help us move projects quickly um, and, and just communication. So um, again, just still taking that consultative customer experience first approach is, has served us really well. And on, you know, on the construction end, one thing that's very near and dear and core to what we do is we do everything in-house. All the construction is done in-house. We really control the process, control the experience. And that all goes back into marketing and branding for us. So, you know, um, I guess very selfishly, like, why do we do all those things? Well, we know that it's going to help us find the next customer. Because when people go and they look at our reputation, they go, oh, wow, this company has, you know, 500 reviews with a 4.8 or 4.9 out of five stars. Um you know, we do all these things. We want the customer to have a great experience. We want them to have great experience because we know that's going to help us find our next customer. And that's why we're always thinking about how can we be different. Well said. And I appreciate that breakdown. I was hoping you were going to go down some of those avenues there because what I was hoping to steer us towards is the fact that marketing doesn't stop after it's sold. You need to keep that customer happy because the greatest source of new business is often customer referrals. And so the way you leave your brand perception in that customer's mind is going to determine whether or not that customer tells their friends or their family to take that same decision. And if they liked the salesperson or liked the brand, and I think that you've done, because uh, I've sort of watched you along the years, done a phenomenal job of baking all that back into that logo, into the brand, into the business card, into the homepage. And that all starts to pay dividends. So what I wanted to sort of steer us into next is I know that you've tried quite a lot of different things, TV, radio, Facebook, Instagram, Google search, Google maps, maybe some Yelp ads, anything in between. So having gone through the gauntlet of all those different channels, what have you learned? How do those channels work together? What's worked for you or not worked? And if you had to go back and do it again, how would you have done it differently? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, and you're right, we have tried it all. I mean, everything you mentioned, plus, you know, obviously our, our direct approach, we have retail partnerships, where we have folks who, uh, you know, are at a supermarket, um, and they're talking to people in there. Um, we've done block parties, we do direct mail. So we really have tried it all. And, and what I would say is, you know, in, in our business, we're looking for direct response. Um, and I think to, to take it really high level, and then dive in a little bit, what we've realized, and what we've learned is that traditional marketing for brand awareness for us has not had a great ROI. 
in the traditional sense, but some of the things that we do um, that help create awareness on a very hyper local level, because it really is a hyper local business in the sense that, you know, there could be a million dollars of opportunity with, you know, just one street for us. Um, and in many cases, like our trucks are a great, are a great form of awareness and marketing. So um, I think if I, if I could sum up, what have I learned and what would I do differently? Any of the exercises we've tried that would be like traditional brand awareness, like TV or radio, we never really got an ROI on that, a measurable ROI, right? We didn't get the phone calls. We didn't get the leads. We didn't get the sales that we would have hoped for um, from exercises like that. And some of the things we've done that are less expensive and are more of like an effort thing have provided a lot of dividends as far as branding and marketing. So like one thing that we're pretty vehement about, and it's a really small thing, but uh, you know, the devil's in the details is we leave a lawn sign at every home that we do an installation at. Again, cost about $20. And that's probably twice as expensive as your average lawn sign. You might see um, someone leave one of those uh, vinyl lawn signs that has the metal flimsy stakes, right? So we invest in these hard metal signs that have a metal post that it's, it's almost like a security sign you would say. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice thing. It's a good feeling when you drive down the street and you don't always see solar panels on the roof, but you see, you know, on a block with 20 homes, you see four or five of these signs and these people in these neighborhoods, right. Generally speaking, our product, you know, it works in areas that are <laughs> typically don't have too many trees. So it's usually these, these streets, you get a, you know, a consolidation of homes that would be a good fit for our product for solar. Um, and so these people, they see our sign every single day and then they see our truck and they see our van and they see our guys and someone comes by and knocks on their door and they get a piece of direct mail and eventually we get them as a lead and now they're getting our emails. So, you know, all those things I just talked about, um, you know, a door hanger that we leave on their door that has our information when we're canvassing the neighborhood. And then we follow them around on Facebook and we follow them around on Google. Those are the things that I've seen have been effective as far as building a brand and creating awareness of who we are and starting to break down that barrier with someone who's not going to say yes the first time we knock on their door or not going to say yes the first time we call them on the phone. Um, so I think I think thinking you know for our business, the way that we want to think and, and say, listen, we're local business, although we're operating in six states, like we're local to that area and we have to have a focus on each neighborhood and we have to have a strategy as far as outreach. Um, because I don't find that people are like our phones don't ring off the hook. We're not an essential service, right? We're a replacement product. Um, you know, everyone has electricity. They can say no to me and they still have the product. They don't realize what's different. So we really have to go out and educate. And in a lot of cases, people just say, ah, solar, I don't like that. I don't want that. I don't know what that is. So, you know, when we approach them, their, their initial response is, you know, they're not interested. So, you know, from a, a branding perspective or, you know, creating awareness of who we are, um, we try and just continually get impressions. And again, you know, it, it, it might start with someone knocking on their door. It might start with the lawn sign they see at their neighbor's house or the, the guy on the ladder going up to install a panel or measure a roof in their neighborhood. And then following that up with the direct mail piece, following that up with the email marketing piece, because we may have gotten their information. Um, and then, you know, following them around just by using, you know, targeted Google and, and Facebook ads, um, that stuff is, has proven to be a, a good strategy for us. And then, you know, obviously we're looking for more direct response. Um, so, you know, that's where the retail relationship where we're in a BJ's wholesale and people walk in and, you know, we greet them and, and see if they're interested in, 
setting up a consultation or hopefully generating a lead from that person and putting them into our funnel or obviously the door-to-door approach, which I've, I've spoken about. But really the biggest driver for us of you know an appointment with a homeowner or a demo, whatever you want to call it, is through our call center. And that's really given us the most powerful um, tool to setting appointments and the most powerful form of outreach. Because if, if we send a guy out to go door to door, a guy or a girl out to go door to door, you know, maybe they can go to a hundred homes in a day, right. Um, and, and, and have a bunch of conversations and have some success, but I can have someone on the phone reach twice as many people in the same period of time. And we also realize, you know, we have to try a bunch of different approaches because there might be someone who goes, Oh, I trust BJ's. I'm a BJ's wholesale member. So when I walk in and I'm going to buy my ice cream, sure. I'll, you know, I'll talk to this person because my, I'm a member and BJ's has said, you know, venture solar is great. So I'll talk to them. Whereas they knock on my door and I'm, you know, watching TV, I'm going to go, I'm not getting off the couch, whoever it is, they're probably trying to sell me something. And at the same time, there's going to be people who they'd be averse to both of those methods of contact. But if I call them on the phone, they're comfortable and they're willing to have a conversation. Um, so all of our leads, everything goes into our call center and through our dialer software that we use. And, um, you know, we, we again, same thing. We, we try and think about, hey, what's that conversation like and how are we approaching this person? And, um, you know, we're really just looking for any opportunity we have to uh, to speak with someone. But the the call center is where all of our digital leads, everything um, we're you know, either purchasing or generating uh, organically or, or a paid advertisement, all those leads are funneling through the call center in addition to um, anything we're generating from you know, those offline sources. So um, we're really just, we're trying to hit it from all angles. And, um, you know, what I've learned is that the, at least in our industry and, and in our markets, the sort of more traditional, get your name out there, put your name on a billboard or on a TV ad, doesn't have a great ROI. Um, stuff that's, you know, hard to measure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've been really pleased with how some of the more like guerrilla marketing or just, you know, like really grinding it out with, hey, we're getting a lawn sign on every lawn and we're knocking every door, or we're leaving a door knocker. Like, I think that stuff really creates brand awareness. And then uh, I think it's about being aggressive and looking to get direct response on top of that. So you're sort of creating the awareness of who you are, creating this sort of uh, subconscious level of comfort that, Hey, this, I see this company. So they must be someone who's, you know, worthwhile to work with if, you know, my neighbors are, and I see them all over the place and then really being really aggressive about, um, trying to get in touch with them and, uh, staying in touch with them too. You know, that's, that's the other piece is we use our CRM. We've created a lead scoring program and, um, nurturing email programs to see how are people interacting with our emails um, if they're interacting with our emails and um, creating a scoring program. And, you know, sometimes we realize there's a buying cycle and we'll let somebody cool off. There's, you know, certain rules in that dialer software. We can say, okay, after a certain number of attempts, we're not going to call them again for a while. Um, because a lot of times in, in what we do, it's, it's really about catching someone on the right day or the right time of year, or right after they got that high electric bill. So, um, you know, we don't ever consider, something closed right until really there's panels on the roof or, or they tell us to, you know, never call them again. But, um, yeah, that's, that's really, uh, I guess what we've learned. And, um, you know, I guess to sum it up, I want to do differently. I probably wouldn't have done TV. It was, that was an expensive, uh, expensive, uh, lesson to learn. Well, there was a, there was a lot there. We're sort of running out of time, but I wanted to give you a sort of short final question here. 
you have identified at least 30 different customer touch points along the way. You might have a customer see a lawn sign, hear a radio ad, see your booth in BJ's, get a phone call from your guy, be on your uh, email drip program. And so my question to you, which is what this podcast is all about, is how do you currently measure the success of all those campaigns? You have identified that TV did not work, but that's because you didn't get the phone calls you were expecting sort of during that TV campaign. But that doesn't necessarily mean that some of those people that were exposed to the TV campaign didn't then turn to Google and do a Google search or go bookmark the website or find you on Yelp or then be reminded, even if it's subconscious, when they came into BJ's. And so if you could, are you doing anything to measure it? And if so, what are you using to measure those various marketing channels and how each is performing across the entire landscape, not independent, not in silos, but in a multi-touch, multi-channel environment where your average solar deal is probably touching 15 to 20 different marketing campaigns. How do you know which one of those marketing campaigns is really moving the needle? Really good question. And we are tracking it. And, you know, you'll never be perfect, right? Because, you know, your point's valid. They may have seen us in four different places. And ultimately, they called us because their neighbor said, hey, call these guys. We ultimately attribute a sale to where the lead was generated from. So, you know, if they're calling from a lawn sign, it has a tracking number. And we know because they called this number, it came from a lawn sign. Or if they called from a TV ad, we use a unique tracking number. And we know it came from a TV ad and so on and so forth. Every piece of marketing material has its own phone number. Um, you know, our canvassers, for example, or, or our guys in, in retail, um, you know, they're using a special app. So we know where that, that lead came from. So the attribution for us ultimately comes to whatever method the lead came in from, right? And we've got ways to track that, whether it's, you know, a human being inputting it as they generate a lead or an inbound phone call, or obviously anything that's going to be digital, we're going to know exactly where that came from um, because of the, you know, the, the form that the customer would have filled out would be tagged. What right. we're doing to evaluate it is we're obviously, we're, you know, we're looking at whether it's payroll. So if it's, you know, a, a you know, face-to-face or over the phone type type marketing, you know, we're going to be evaluating what's our payroll associated with it versus, um, you know, a paid ad, we're going to be evaluating that lead source or that vendor. Um, and, you know, so we don't even just necessarily bucket it as, you know, paid advertising or paid digital. We're, we're actually looking on a lead source by lead source and vendor by vendor basis. And that helps us understand, do we ratchet something up? Do we ratchet something down? Do we get rid of something altogether? Um, ultimately, we have to look at our blended cost of customer acquisition, which um, you know, in this industry can, can be high. Um, and I think what, uh, what, what we've learned is you just you have to have uh, a lot of irons in the fire. There's not any one method that is going to necessarily get you the results that you want. It's about taking... Um, a wide approach and being able to measure those efforts and something, you know, and again, certain things work better at certain times of the year. So um, you really got to have your eye on it. It can get away from you quickly. We've definitely had times where, you know, cost of acquisition got out of control, but I think it's one of the things that we've done well is try to understand the seasonality of the business and, and when it makes sense to, to, you know, fire one thing up a little bit more than the other. 
Well said. Well, guys, you heard it here first. That, to me, sounds like a very robust deployment of a multi-channel marketing campaign, and it involves digital, broadcast, physical, in-person meetings, phone calls, everything in between. And is there one magic way to measure it all? Um, it's tough. After enough iterations, after enough time and effort and learning along the way, you can sort of hear how Alex has put into a position, has been put into a position where he can evaluate which channels to ratchet up, which channels to ratchet down, how seasonality impacts uh, the ability to convert both in terms of generating new leads, but also closing those sales. So it's a great example for how you can start out as an organization and invest in a few critical areas. And I think we heard Alex talk about that. It's the brand, it's the customer experience, it's making sure that each and every touch point reinforces that message and builds trust with that consumer all the way till the end and beyond so that that consumer can refer you to someone else. And then as you deploy these campaigns, you, you hear about the tracking numbers and the measurement tools and getting the accurate information into the CRM so that the pipeline can reflect not only the revenue potential, but also the costs associated with it. And what's the result of all this work? You go from a one or two man team to the largest solar installer in the Northeast region. So Alex, thank you very much for the time. If anybody in the Northeast region, or hey, maybe by the time you're listening to this, around the whole country is looking for solar, please visit VentureSolar.com. You heard it here first. Thanks again to Alex Yakery from VentureSolar.com. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off. <music>